Okay, hello everyone and welcome to ACTUS Radio, the nation's only radio program dedicated to the clinical documentation improvement profession. ACTUS Radio is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and to ACTUS. Today, Wednesday, August 29th, marks our 104th program of ACTUS Radio. So my name is Brian Murphy, Director of ACTUS, the Association of Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialists, and I'm, of course, your host for today's program, the fourth universal definition of MI. I'm joined today by my co-host at left. You can see him on the screen there, Alan Frady. Alan is a CDI education specialist here for us at ACTUS. Alan teaches our clinical documentation improvement boot camps and serves as a subject matter expert. By way of brief background, he's an accomplished consultant with a background in coding and documentation. Um, and I'm very pleased to have him back on the program. So welcome to the show, Alan. Thanks for having me on the show again, Brian. Absolutely. Next, I'd like to introduce our industry guest. You probably um, recognize him from being on prior shows. We have with us James Kennedy. Dr. Kennedy is the president of CDIMD Physician Champions, a Nashville-based group of physicians, coders, and clinicians engaged nationwide as CDI physician advisors, ICD-10 medical informaticists, and DRG and HCC compliance advocates. Dr. Kennedy's experience includes physician and hospital leadership, healthcare systems improvement, healthcare documentation and coding compliance, and government relations. Uh, Dr. Kennedy previously served on the ACTUS Advisory Board. He's the lead instructor of our ACTUS Bootcamp, the physician advisor's role in CDI, and is a frequent speaker uh, at our annual conference. I'd like to welcome him back to the program. So thanks for coming on, Dr. Kennedy. Thank you, Brian. Glad to be here. Okay. Well, as I always do, I'm going to start with a uh, poll question related to today's topic. I ask that you please take a look at that and select the option that best pertains to you. Question reads, are your physicians aware that the fourth edition of the universal, uh, fourth edition of the universal definition of myocardial infarction was even released? Your options are uh, yes, no, not sure, or not applicable. I like to state not all of our listeners are working in the acute care hospital setting. So again, are your physicians aware that the fourth edition, the universal definition of MI was even released, was released recently? We'll get into that in just a moment. Yes, no, not sure, or not applicable. Okay. Well, thanks for entering your results. I'm going to go ahead and uh, close this out. We got about 76, 78% of our audience that have voted. So we're going to go ahead and close this poll out and we will come back uh, to the results in just a few minutes. All right. Well, as I mentioned, our guest today is Dr. Kennedy. Dr. Kennedy, welcome to the program. Thanks for being a part of Actus Radio. I, I first have to thank you for um, alerting me that the fourth universal definition of MI was out, as you're wont to do. You're, you're always on top of this stuff, and you were the first one to let me know that this was actually out and that we need to cover it. And um, appreciate you coming on Actus Radio to talk a little bit about it today. Thank you. Um, yeah, maybe before we get there, could you briefly just 
kind of set the scene with the current landscape of MI, including the updated guidelines through the through the third edition, which I believe was current, you know, and published in 2012. Just to set the stage for our for our folks with with what's going on. Well, Brian, I think we all know that uh, over the years there has been the American College of Cardiology, the European Society of Cardiology, the World Heart Foundation, and the uh, AHA have been very involved in collaborating together in the definitions of uh, various ischemic heart disease syndromes. Uh, the the second edition of this was published in 2007. The third edition of these definitions was published in 2012. What we are seeing is the fourth edition uh, that is currently being discussed at the uh, European Heart Congress in Munich, Germany. And so this is, in my mind, definitional of how the diagnosis of of myocardial infarction uh, should be made, and it will become the standard by which most cardiologists will uh, not only do their day-to-day -day clinical care, but will also be measuring quality uh, within the cath lab uh, and such. So uh, I did provide for you a slide deck that has some of the elements of this, and um, uh, that slide deck uh, can be made available, uh, but this is something that every CDI specialist, in my mind, needs to become familiar with, and this is going to be the article whereby we can have a, a solid conversation uh, with the uh, cardiologist regarding what the words mean and ensuring the clinical validity of the, of the documentation from which ICD-10 coding comes from. Right. So I'm going to go ahead and pull up those slides, Dr. Kennedy. And again, for our listeners, just to head off this question, we will provide these slides after the show to get them. If you go to actus.org and you go on Actus Radio, you will see all of our past recordings, all of our show notes with links to get this. So actus.org, Actus Radio, I'll show you where that lives during the program, but we will provide these. Alan, why don't I turn it over to you briefly here while I pull these up? All right, so while you're doing this, just again, oh, I'm sorry, Alan, go ahead. No, go ahead. So again, as you'll see, if you can hit F5 on your uh, computer, Brian, uh, that way we can see the full uh, slide deck. Uh, slide number four, just Haxley, is the, is the title page of this, and there is a link on slide four, uh, uh, tinyurl.com slash 2018UDMI. Uh, and as such, this is, I think, a required reading for any CDI specialist encoder uh, that is encouraging uh, our clinical validity in, in what we're doing. And, and one of the words that I think we're going to run into that's going to be the ICD-10 challenge is the emphasis of the term myocardial injury. Myocardial injury is, is, is a challenging subject uh, as it relates to ICD-10 coding, uh, and we can go into that a little bit, but the differentiation between myocardial injury, myocardial, uh, myocardial infarction, terms like unoka, minoka, that's all in these. So if you could get to slide four, uh, slide four has the, has the link uh, that we're looking for and uh, something that needs to be read. 
So I've, Dr. Kennedy, I've looked through these slides and there's definitely a lot to unpack here. Believe it or not, uh, I, whenever I do training, I still meet on a regular basis, very experienced CDI who've never heard of the universal definition. So I said they've heard of the third universal. They haven't. Uh, you know, second, third, or fourth. They don't even know there is such a thing as this type of a classification. And they've been doing CDI for years. I occasionally will run into physicians who also don't keep up with this stuff because they're not cardiologists. Uh, you already hit on what my question was going to be, was that the, the biggest difference between the third and the fourth uh, definitions being that term injury. And um, just, you know, jumping around a little bit, what are some of the immediate takeaways from a documentation and coding perspective that CDIs and physicians need to know in terms of dealing with this uh, new definition? So, Brian, if you can move the slide deck down a little bit. Uh, one of the things that's going to be very, very important is our clinical interpretation of elevated troponins. And this, in my mind, is is the crucial critical thinking that has to occur with physicians, has to occur with uh, coders, have to occur with CDI, because part of the ICD-10 guidelines makes it very clear that if there's an abnormal lab, that it is okay to query the physician for the clinical significance. And one of the things that in my CDI practice I do is I never ask a query or a question that I don't already have a working idea of what the answer should be based upon the clinical circumstances. Because if the physician gives me an answer that doesn't make sense, I need to go back to the well. So Brian, if you could move the slides, uh, maybe uh, one or two uh, up a little bit. The issue of the term myocardial injury. Uh, so here's going to be probably what we need to be aware of in the UDMI is that there's going to be the big discussion will be the term myocardial infarction from myocardial injury. Next slide. Um, the, the, uh, the term myocardial injury just means that there's an elevated troponin. That's all it means. So physicians use words like troponin leak, troponemia. There is going to be, in my mind, an increased use of the word myocardial injury that comes from the UDMI, which unfortunately does not code well in ICD-10. Another thing I want to emphasize is that the term demand ischemia uh, should, should have a normal troponin because if the patient has demand ischemia with, quote, troponin leak, the obvious question should be, did that patient have a type 2 MI? So this is going to be a challenge, Alan, you know, that I'm seeing, and I don't know what you're seeing in your world, uh, but I think that this is going to be a tremendous issue. Mm -hmm. We still have uh, a fair number in the coding world and occasionally the new CDI who still gets confused about AKI not being a traumatic injury, but rather a pathophysiological process. I think whenever uh, they start seeing cardiac injury, there's going to be a, a, a trend just because of the coding process to index the word injury into a traumatic event. Um, I think coding auditors and CDI need to really, really pay attention to what's going on anytime they see traumatic injuries of these organs um, that is obviously an inappropriate code. 
So, Brian, move the slides down a little bit. Um, I think that as you, as you go through the slide deck, here again is a graphic that I think uh, a cartoon that epitomizes the delirium, I mean, the dilemma that we have could be a delirium, but a dilemma that we have in that, in what is the elevate, what is the clinical significance of the elevated troponin? Next slide. And, and the, and the challenge is going to be is that a, the term myocardial infarction has to have all three elements for a type one, a type two, or a type three. Number one, the trope has to be elevated. Okay, if the trope's not elevated, it's not an MI. Number two, there has to be what we call the delta, the rise and fall. And third is the clinical evidence of acute myocardial ischemia. This is where I think we fall down in that, you know, are there symptoms of unstable angina or an angina equivalent? Evidence of EKG changes, which is described in the UDMI. Uh, notice that left bundle branch block is not on this list. You know, the new left bundle branch block uh, in previous definitions had been indicative of that. That is not on this list. So, therefore, the, you know, this is what I think the, if a doctor writes type 2 MI, the clinical documentation specialist has to be able to look at the clinical picture and see if all three of these elements are met. And and then if it's not met, then it needs to go through the clinical validation workflow, which we all know now is crucial uh, in CDI practice. Absolutely. Any other slides that you'd like to show, Doctor? Yeah, Kennedy? go down a little bit. Go down a little bit. Let's just if you if you go through this, let's go. There's just some, again some graphics. Go next a little bit. Uh, next. Uh, we'll get to the ICD-10 slides. There, this here again, they kept the type 1, type 2, type 3, type 4, you know, type uh, mentions in this. Uh, keep going until you get to the ICD-10 slides that have the codes in there uh, for myocardial injury. One of the challenges we're going to have with the term myocardial injury, even though that's a clinical term uh, that we have here, uh, ICD-10 does not recognize non-traumatic myocardial injury, just like when the acute kidney injury code came out. ICD-9, for a period of time, did not have a code for non-traumatic myocardial injury. So the predicament we've got is this, the way the index, you know, is currently uh, puts myocardial injury in the S codes, which are the trauma codes. Next slide. If you could go to the next slide after this, Brian. Uh, one of the things that's very, very clear uh, in ICD-10 or in coding clinic, if the index is confusion, confusing, a basic rule of coding is that further research uh, is done if the title of the code suggested by the index does not clearly identify the condition correctly. This is, in my mind, the principal purpose of ICD-10 CDI is to anticipate the need for the coder to have the documentation in the record that perhaps can give us another alternative uh, to this. And by the way, just everybody needs to know, Coding Clinic is aware of this issue. Uh, uh, I got an email from Nellie Leon Chazine uh, this week 
unfortunately, this will not be in the third or fourth quarter coding clinic uh, for this year. Uh, the earliest we could even see anything addressing this would be the first quarter because it has to go to the EAB and get clinical input. But everybody is aware of this dilemma, and we're going to have to have some sort of workflow in the meantime of addressing the term myocardial injury as promoted by this paper. Right. You know, Dr. Kennedy, I know you're not super thrilled with that term myocardial injury in non-traumatic circumstances, but just wondering what you might recommend that folks can do uh, in the meantime, lacking authority of guidance from coding clinic. Um, how they well, I am th changes now. I am thrilled with the term because it's a clinical term. I'm I'm a doctor okay. first. All right. I'm thrilled. You know, that there's a the term troponin leak is not a diagnosis. Myocardial injury is. I think that this is where CDI professionals have to get their cardiologists, you know, get them at the table with coding, cardiology, and come up with some sort of workflow, some sort of policy, some documentation infrastructure that does two things. Number one is it helps the physician uh, that if they're going to use the term, they need to perhaps put the word non-traumatic, non you know, in front of it, uh, you know, so that way the coder is not tempted to use a trauma code or an injury code. Number two, if there's a, a reason for the myocardial injury, and again, go down the slides a little bit. I do have a list of the non-ischemic uh, causes. You know, uh, I think I, uh, you'll have to go down a little bit. Oh, by the way, stop here. Go back. Go back. The coding clinic in the past has said that myocardial injury codes to acute myocardial ischemia. That is so 1990s, all right? I don't believe that this advice is valid today in light of the fourth UDMI. So again, CDI professionals need to sit down with coding and say, okay, here's what this coding clinic says. This is what the fourth UDMI, you know, has. We've got to not do, you know, what this advice says and again, send records to coding clinics, send copies, lobby Sue Bowman at AHIMA um, as the AHIMA's representative to come up with something that we believe accurately represents the patient's condition as needed for coding. Right. And I see your call out at the bottom there that you believe this advice, advice is inv invalid, especially with the fourth universal definition. My personal opinion. Okay. Alan, anything else you wanted to wrap up with? With any other thoughts, discussion points about this definition? Uh, just so if I can do a one-minute summarization for the audience, see if I get this right. Dr. Kennedy, check me on this. So, uh, not all non-traumatic cardiac injury is in fact an infarct, and if it's non-ischemic, it, it very well may be integral to another condition which caused the uh, disease process in the heart. If it is ischemic, however, it may be, if you have an ischemic cardiac injury, it may be appropriate to consider a type 2 depending upon clinical circumstances and the physician's assessment. Would you say that's a 
It, means it, it could be a summary. type one. It could be a type one, a type two. Remember, you got to remember there's the mechanisms. And that's what one point right. five, you know, is. Again, you the the. Just because a trope is elevated, you've got to say, okay, is it acute? Is it chronic? Is there evidence of a delta? What are the clinic? If you're going to call it an MI, there has to be corroborating clinical evidence. Just don't call anything a type 2 MI due to sepsis, due to heart failure, you know, whatever, if there's not corroborating clinical evidence of acute myocardial ischemia, EKG changes, something that could pass the smell test, particularly since we're sensitive to uh, MI core measures, MI readmission rates, mortality rates, so on and so forth. And the term demand ischemia with troponin leak is, is I think, has to be confronted uh, clinically. And, and yes, you're right. Uh, as long as the it, myocardial injury is integral to a structural heart disease, a Takotsubo cardiomyopathy, a toxic myocarditis, or you know chest trauma, CPR, something of that nature, uh, and this is going to—we don't have much time to talk about it more, but we've just got to make folks aware of this to have the clinical conversation with our cardiologists. And CDI's having this article in hand uh, helps them have that conversation. Sounds like facilities are going to need to get ahead of this and get a policy, uh, start having a discussion about it. Yep. Yep. Well, that's great. Really appreciate that, Dr. Kennedy and Alan, the discussion about this. Um, again, for the folks that did join us a little bit late, we are going to provide those slides you just saw on our download page for Actus Radio. Uh, someone had asked actually whether we record these. Yes, we do. All of our programs are recorded. I will show you where those live in a moment, but those slides will be available on the download page. Also, Actus Radio is a podcast. So you go to your, your favorite podcast app, you will find Actus Radio uh, there and can listen to the program again. At this point, I do want to uh, jump back to our poll results. Um, let me pull that up here. We did ask you all. Um, whether your physicians are aware that the fourth edition of the universal definition of MI was released. So 16% say yes. 10% um, no, but most are not sure. Maybe you're not sure yourself this was released until today's program. Um, and 3% not applicable. So any comments, questions on the poll results here, Dr. Kennedy? It looks like folks have some work to do. for Well, I, I, yeah. There's a lot of people that didn't know the third universal definition <laughs> existed, much less the fourth. And so the fact that this just came out last Friday uh, and has not right. yet been published in the journal, uh, more than likely uh, uh, most, fo most folks not in academia um, are not aware of it. So it makes sense to me. Right. Just a question, is this published in, the, was it an AMA journal or was it an Elsevier journal? Do you remember? Where, where it's published in the, the Journal of the American College of Cardiology, uh, uh, okay. and in the, it'll be in circulation, the European Heart Journal. Again, the link, if you get download the slides, tinyurl.com backward slash 2018UDMI is the link that will take you to the article. Great. Okay. Any any comments on the poll at all, Alan? 
No, Dr. Kennedy free. echoed what I, what, what I was going to say, which was a lot of people weren't even aware of the third definition, so that's not surprising. Right. All right. Okay, well, at this point, I do want to switch over to our In the News segment. Again, In the News is a regular segment featuring the latest news and industry updates relevant to the CDI profession and to Actus. Um, today, I want to discuss what has been a bit of a, a bombshell of a news story that ha that appears and very well could have some broad ramifications for the CDI industry. So this was a this was a piece that I had written for the last um, CDI strategy issue. Um, this was a story first released, which I'll pull up here by Modern Healthcare. Um, so Renton, Washington-based Providence Health and Services was hit with a lawsuit uh, alleging that the health system had violated the False Claims Act by purposely upcoding Medicare to increase reimbursement. The suit alleges that Providence um, fraudulently upcoded for $188 million in claims over seven years. This was filed uh, late, uh, not last week, but two weeks ago in the U.S. District Court of Central California. What really makes this case interesting is that it was it was filed by a data analysis firm, Integra Med Analytics. So um, they claim that this hospital chain, with the help of an outside consultant, uh, J.A. Thomas, pushed physicians to add secondary diagnoses when documenting treatment so that the health system could qualify for higher reimbursement. Uh, there's a lengthy court document that is available on the web. Um, you know, the, so Providence Health has responded in the, in these news outlets again and basically said that they follow rigorous standards for Medicare reimbursement claims uh, based on all relevant regulation and supported by our core values. Um, I did mention that this was filed by a data analytics firm. Um, this firm, Integra, used CMS claims data from 2011 to 2017 basically did an extrapolation um, and found that they were likely to add, more likely to add secondary codes to claims than other like hospitals. They go through some examples, uh, looked at things like encephalopathy, um, respiratory failure, malnutrition, et cetera, and found that they were reporting these at a higher incidence. So it is uh, concerning to many because it was it was launched. It looks principally, if you read the entire court case, just through claims analysis, uh, uh, data analysis, and not through actually looking at any of the medical records themselves. At least that I can deduce from looking at the court case. Um, people are talking about it as being reported on. We did cover it here at Actus. If you want to read more about it, you can find. Uh, my article with a lot of uh, helpful links and some links to some of the other uh, news sources covering this story. Um, so check it out on actus.org. We'll be covering it uh, in further in the future. Um, I will say that this is this is a call for uh, a, um, a trial jury. It there could could very well be thrown out. There could be changes that occur. There there could be you know it it could proceed. It's very new, so we'll be monitoring it. And I just wanted to bring it to everyone's attention. And um, before we wrap up here, I want to ask if Dr. Kennedy. I know there's a lot to unpack in this case, more than we can cover today on Actus Radio. But do you have any initial reactions to the story, and sort of what it could mean for for CDI in general? Well, this is 
what's interesting to me is that this was based on claims analysis so that if anybody is doing well, you know, with their CDI numbers, you know, above the 80th percentile, we certainly want to be certain that our workflows, our processes could be defended reasonably, uh, you know, if held accountable by an outside entity. So data analytics, benchmarking, it's absolutely crucial, you know, because if we're doing well, you know, you're getting what you need, the case mix is where it needs to be or higher or whatever, then this is just a call to action just to be certain that we can defend uh, what we're doing. Well, what's interesting in this case is the is the fact that they actually named a consulting firm uh, in the suit. Uh, previously, claims like this have been only against hospitals. They actually mentioned a CDI consulting firm, and 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 as such, this is why again we have to be very very careful that any code that comes out of a hospital has to be supported by clinically valid provider documentation and and supported by uh, a proper application of ICD-10 uh, conventions and that the query workflow has to, in my mind, support be supported by industry standards such as AHIMA practice briefs. So the court case is really, really interesting to read. It has not yet, however, been joined by the government this is right now just yep. out there as a key tom. Anybody can file a key tom. If you go to New York, you can get a ham sandwich, you know, indicted. Uh, it's it just because somebody ag accuses you of something doesn't mean that it's wrong. And and so what will be? I think this needs to be watched. Uh, the court documents need to be followed, and how this comes out from the court is, I think, going to be interesting. Certainly, AHIMA has a role in this because many times the Department of Justice uses their practice briefs, you know, in this. And just how this falls out, I think, will is instructional to all of us. Absolutely. Any thoughts on that, Alan? Uh, just by the numbers, you'll want to read this brief yourself, but there's about 130, this is from memory, so maybe perfect, but about 130 items, 125-ish of them are statistical analyses of claims data. I think going back pre-ICD-10 days, uh, it, I, I saw some stuff in there, I think it goes back several years, about five or six items are sort of eyewitness or former employee testimony. And absolutely, as far as I can tell, no record reviews whatsoever to actually look and see what's going on in the charts. Um, and a few and what looks to be outdated tip cards in there that were sort of spun to look worse than they might have actually been. That's just my opinion. Take, it for, take that for what it's worth uh, and the implications of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we, we will continue to follow the case and um Keep you updated on, on any changes or or uh, updates as they as they occur. Okay, I'm going to close out here with just a brief Actus update. Again, Actus update is a look at what's going on inside of our association. I just want to remind our audience that our the speaking application period for our 2019 conference is now open, and we've actually extended that by some extra days to give folks a break. We're heading into the Labor Day weekend here. So 
So our speaker application period is open through Monday, September 10th. So um, this page I'm showing you here lives on actus.org. This has a link to um, some helpful documents in term, including a, uh, a suggested sessions, um, track and session ideas that our conference committee has put together. Again, these will help you if, you, if you'd like to speak, maybe you don't have an idea in mind or want to accommodate our, our, um, our attendees, you can check out our uh, helpful um, ideas. You can also, you know, obviously original applications are certainly welcome and many of our best presentations are original, but check out this page. Uh, there is an, even an Actus radio program link that talks about uh, helpful tips on applying and the link to the, to the application itself is right here. Um, so go ahead and get that in. I hope you can speak at the conference in May 2019. We're looking for people to share their best practices and uh, speakers do attend free. Okay. Well, that is going to do it for today's edition of Actus Radio. Again, I want to thank Dr. Kennedy and Alan for being here today. We're going to see you back here in, in two weeks for our next program, which is on uh, denials and, uh, and some of the trends around denials. So as always, if you have any suggestions for future guests, ideas about the format of the show, please send me an email at bmurphy at actus.org. That will do it, and uh, take care, everyone. We'll see you in two weeks.